Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Yeah, the question that has plagued moms around the world for centuries is one that we give more than just a little bit of thought to in the fish world, isn't it? Like, what's for dinner? What do we eat? Now, before I go too deep into this, I issue the heads up that this is one of those little pieces that will probably piss off a tiny few of my friends and colleagues who work in the aquatic industry. It will no doubt show a level of oblivious or lack of understanding of how things work in the aquarium food sector and perhaps a ridiculous naivete that only an outsider would display. So be it. Of course, I really don't give a crap if I offended you, just in case you must know. I think after years of doing this, you've kind of realized my skin is pretty pretty thick and the world's going to keep rotating. My wife will still love me even if you don't, all that stuff. So yeah. So the world of tropical fish foods is pretty amazing. It's an industry that has some of the hobby's most respected and dominant companies in the game. And, and some of the newer brands that have come along in recent years, particularly in the marine food sector, have delivered remarkable breakthrough products that have changed the game. We're talking about things like live and frozen rotifers, copepods, mycids, micro-sized you know, coral feeds, stuff like that. The number of foods for aquatic animals on the market today is just plain crazy. I'll bet it's a multi-million dollar industry by now, just the aquatic food industry, which is kind of cool. I mean, a recent scan of a major online aquatics retailer's food section yielded a remarkable 280 plus varieties of fish food. I mean, that's just crazy cool. But what I found interesting is that in the freshwater world, other than the frozen and dried foods that were things like bloodworms, tubifex, and daphnia, most of the foods intended for freshwater species are sort of adopted to our needs, a la brine shrimp. Now, look, I'm not dissing the venerable frozen brine shrimp. It's the poster child of the aquarium food industry, nor any of the hundreds of quality dry and freeze-dried foods out there. No, sir, I like them. I love them. These foods have made the modern hobby convenient, dynamic, and accessible for millions of people around the world. However, what makes me curious and probably shows my ignorance too is why there are so very few foods that are simply, well, the stuff that freshwater fishes eat in the wild. Yeah, really. I mean, sure, there are a few. You know, I'm thinking of like bug bites. That's pretty cool stuff. Uh, Rapashi makes some awesome foods, but they're, they're few and far in between, really. Think about it for a moment. If you really want to feed your fishes, you know, authentic food, you know, the equivalent of fish health food or whole foods or whatever, you either have to cultivate your own, not something everybody wants to do or can do, or somehow source foods that are not commercially available. To me, pellets are convenient and all that stuff. Yeah, I get it. But they're kind of, well, I don't know, soulless, right? If you know what I mean? Yeah, seriously, I'm talking about fish food having a soul or a passion with it, whatever. Of course, you can use any of the fine 400-odd fish foods on the market and just deal with it, in which case my work is done here and you could move on to something else. But pressing forward... Following that lengthy preamble and with much love and respect for the fish food industry, I must ask again, why do we not see whole foods on the market that are representative of what freshwater fishes consume in the wild? 
I mean, the information about what fishes consume in the wild is readily available for those who take the time to look. Gut content analysis from fishes has been part of ichthyology for a hundred years, and it yields remarkable information about the habitat and habits of freshwater tropical fishes. And what are the most common menu items for many non-herbivorous freshwater fishes? Well, you probably figured this as much. Insects, insect larvae, copepods, crustaceans, fish eggs, and, well, fish. Of all the foods that we see on the market, only a handful come to mind that are more or less highly representative of the type and form factor that freshwater fishes consume in the wild. Bloodworms, tubifex, daphnia, and fish eggs are, and, oh, harpactoid copepods used for marine fish feeds. Oh, and, and, and wood-containing foods for plecos and stuff. This, again, the aforementioned rapashi stuff, which I think is just awesome. Now, these are all fine foods. They're outstanding. And feeding a combination of almost any one of them will do the job and keep your fishes fat and happy and possibly spawning for a lifetime. We should feed combinations of these foods a lot. And I think we do. However, my point here is that I can't help but wonder, again, the outsider's naivete, naivete um, I can't help but wonder, much like I do about replicating wild habitat, water conditions, and so forth in fishes rather than acclimate them to ours, I can't help but wonder if our tropical fishes would be just a bit better off if they were fed foods that were literally the were close counterpoints, the counterparts of exact species of what they have evolved to eat in the wild. Such as aquatic insects like Diptera, Coleoptera, Trichoptera larvae and stuff like that. And a variety of harpactoidae copepods like we talked about. Okay, this begs the next question. And what the fuck are Dioptera, Coleoptera, and all those names you bungled through? Well, good question. Well, Diptera is an order, a big old assemblage of a lot of different species. First, now, I'm not talking about using the annoying, nasty, you know, flies. And that's flies. That's what we're talking about here. I'm not talking about the ones that we like to swat at, but I suppose that's a start. Well, anyways... Trichoptera are larger insects known collectively as caddisflies. Species of them are found worldwide. Hmm, I know what you're thinking. And then the next question is, how do you get this stuff? Is it even economically viable or safe or whatever? How many people would really buy this stuff? Well, they must have said this thing about adult brine shrimp at two at one point, right? I don't know. I'm not in the fish food industry and I haven't made the effort to try to disrupt it. At least not yet anyway. And believe me, I understand me, Mr. You know, botanical guy who's sourced all sorts of twigs and nuts and stuff from all over the world. Literally, I have to tell my suppliers in the tropical regions of the world, just pick up some of the fucking dried leaves that fall in the jungle. You know, the stuff that falls near streams. I cannot get it through these people. I can I can name the species even, and they still continue to supply me with catapa leaves and guava leaves. It's like, that's why I may not even carry those in the future. I just, I'm, I'd rather just use local representative representative leaves and it's another story for another time that we'll probably talk about again but anyway i guess it's because that's what they know i get it that's what sells in the industry respect that's how it's done but thinking outside the box for these guys is a bit risky i guess it's less cost effective initially and probably full of unknowns as we know most businesses eschew the unknowns and the risks associated with going off the board on stuff i get it it gets me into trouble all the time but you know it kind of works so with foods like insects and stuff from tropical and aquatic environments, there are obviously other things to overcome, like the fact that some harbor parasites and diseases that may affect both fishes and, you know, humans. I mean, yeah, you know, you're thinking about the absurdity of importing wild mosquito larvae that may be carrying the Zika virus or whatever. I mean, I hear you. I'm obviously not going to do that. 
I mean, getting assorted South American insect larvae through customs might be you know, a little bit daunting if you know anything about the U.S. Department of Agriculture. It'd probably be a problem. But what I am suggesting is that there may very well be pure disease and parasite-free laboratory-grown specimens of many tropical insects that can fill the role as supply for the fish food industry. I think there might be. I don't know. Or substitutes, species found in North America, Asia, or Europe that are easier to obtain, safer to work with, whatever. Okay, like wingless fruit flies, right? Yes, hobbyists have been cultivating them for a century, and pure cultures are available in labs and online from laboratory supply stores and hobbyists. They're readily available from both hobbyist and biological supply houses. Could they be incorporated into a fresh preserved state? Not freeze-dried and incorporated into a flake or a pellet or whatever with fish meal and all kinds of other stuff. I mean, perhaps kept concentrated in some sort of nutritive solution that preserves both their form and their freshness, maybe refrigerated. Can this be done? I, I, I think so. I know that I'd pay good money for a concentrated, preserved, disease-free you know, wingless fruit flies, insect larvae, cultured lab-grade caddis flies. Yeah, seriously, wingless fruit flies are more or less utilized already in the hobby, just that no one, to my knowledge, has made them available in a more pre-a-porte fashion, you know, ready to use without the hassle of culturing them and freaking oatmeal and all this kind of crazy stuff. Wouldn't that make a few more people try them? Oh, I know that some exotic stuff has been available in the past from good companies, frozen mosquito larvae, glassworm, cyclops, respect i love him however in this exploding new age of the aquarium hobby enlightenment perhaps now is the time to go after marketing these food items more seriously and in a more con- you know coordinated fashion you know pay me a 200 an hour consulting fee if you want my hours worth of idea and input on this stuff seriously but but really some budding aquatic food entrepreneur somewhere out there could literally build an empire of the flies if he or she wants to take a crack at this stuff. You could be the uber of exotic aquatic feeds or something like that. There must be some scientist in the lab saying, you know, I'm tired of doing goddamn genetic research on these fucking flies. Maybe I can sell them to stupid fish people because they'll pay good money for them. And might tell this person, hell yes, we all would. And of course, as previously mentioned, we do have marine species of copepods as well as daphnia. So We've sort of got that covered. I'm sure that the nutritional profile of these is somewhat different than their freshwater counterparts, but it couldn't hurt to try these foods, right? Although I wonder if anybody is working with culturing freshwater copepods on any large scale for commercial applications as a live or frozen food. Something, again, that I have not looked into just yet. So again, you're going to get at me with 10 different companies that do it or this guy up in Ohio that does, you know, I don't know. So what would a dream fish food look like to me? Well, it'd be some form of minimally preserved, refrigerated, squeeze bottle feedable combination of fruit flies, caddisfly larvae and adults, daphnia and small bloodworms. Talk about a buffet and a bottle for fishes, just small sizes of all those things. That would be an amazing fish food. Okay, fish food entrepreneurs, I've given you a minimal framework to do more research and develop a product. Many of you guys out there have advanced degrees in biology and other backgrounds that could really give you an advantage when looking to disrupt this market. There's a ton I don't, I didn't touch on, I forgot to touch on, glossed over out of sheer ignorance or whatever, and much more I could have said on the subject. But for those of you who are already picking up what I'm putting down, I think that the gears are already spinning. I mean, you have to do some of the work on this, right? And don't even ask for, you know, ask for royalties in this rant. So I'm, I'm, I'm not asking for you. Just, just make the product. Of course, if you are offering, you know, I'm not going to say no. No, but seriously, there are possibilities here, guys. They're, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. They're not easy to execute at scale, no doubt. They involve sourcing, manufacturing, preserving, packaging, and possibly certifying. I don't know what. The payoff, if any, will no doubt be 
down the line. And who knows, it may not prove to be viable at scale. On the other hand, a convenient, easy-to-use combination or a la carte a set of a la carte items from this natural selection of foods might prove to be a huge thing to public aquariums, hatcheries, and hobbyists all over the world. You don't know until you go for it, right? I never knew that I could actually make a living selling leaves and twigs and seed pods. Well, I did, but I had to go for it to do it. You know, again, maybe I pissed off some of you, bored a handful of you, turned off a bunch, but maybe just maybe one or two or three of you read this and thought or or heard this rant and said, you know, I might just look into this. In which case, this rant was wildly successful. You've got this. What else, you know, what else can we do? I don't know. But where else are you going to read or listen to this kind of stuff anyway? That's why I'm here for them. Hope to inspire some of you that know what you're doing. So until next time, live the dream or dream about living the dream. Stay innovative. Stay creative. Stay in your blissful force field of benign ignorance. The one that makes you dare to ask why and gives you the courage to change stuff. Oh, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.